0: it will lead us to a choice to offer love, mercy, compassion, welcome to those that the world may not expect us to do so. So I want to begin by asking, have you ever had one of those moments when you were asked either verbally or you knew that it was kind of the implied question, why are you here? I thought of two times in my life early in ministry, in fact while I was in seminary and a chaplain at a hospital, where this was very true for me now one of the things I would love to do was make random visits to hospital rooms just to check in on people to see how they're doing and often I could be helpful for the nurses and, and maybe getting things they need and it often provided me an opportunity to pray with folks who may not have expected or asked for the chaplain to show up I really did enjoy these times, even though there were times I would walk into people's rooms and I had my chaplain badge on, and before I could say anything, they would say, oh, why are you here? I'm leaving tomorrow. If something wrong, what's happened? <laughs> I, the chaplain was sometimes seen as the person who brought the hard news. I was there when hard news was brought about, and or maybe they had experienced that before, and so my presence wasn't always very settling so I learned to kind of walk in sometimes with my hand up my badge and say, hey, my name is Craig. I happen to be the chaplain, but just want to say hello to you, just to see how you're doing, if I to get any, if I could get anything for you or do anything with you or for you. And, and so I learned to to calm fears that I expected to happen at times. There were other times though, another time in particular. Started my day off, was called to the ER. I um, was told to go straight to the nurse's desk, and I did, and I went to, to that place, and I asked, I said, hey, I've been paged and wanted to know where I needed to be, and she had a telling look on her face. I said, okay, I need you to follow me, and she walked with me to the back of the ER, which was out of the norm, to an alcove, and there was someone in the corner sitting all by themselves. Now, by all by themselves, the room was full, actually, doctors and doctors, nurses, EMT workers, and police officers. That was different. No one was tending to her, but it was obvious that she was the person I was there to see, and folks saw my chaplain badge and knew why I was there, but still, as someone who can read the room pretty well, and it was not hard to read the room this day, folks were asking and hushing their conversations, saying, well, why are you here? But with the caveat, why are you here to be with her? And I began to learn the details about what brought us all to that alcove and why she was in that corner by herself. And without sharing details, just suffices to say that she had done harm and had called for a chaplain. And I began to understand why those in the room were upset. And to be honest with you, to confess with you, I began to wonder, well, do I want to be here right now? It's a hard story. But I learned something that day that I have never forgotten and has stuck with me even to this day. I learned that following Jesus will mean at times that we are called to serve and love and minister to those for whom the world may not understand why. He will call us to serve those for whom we wonder can I really do this Christ? Should I? But how many times did Jesus find himself in that very spot, right? He stood between those who held stones in their hands and someone who had sinned. He once said that following him and being the shepherd means that the 99 sheep that are safe and well today, I'm going to leave them over here for a while and I'm going to go to that one that's lost. He upset people by who he chose to dine with. And he said that, "This is your call, too, friends." <laughs> you see, we follow Jesus' commandments to love our enemies, to forgive those who sins and to honor the greatest commandment. And it will ask everything of us at times, if we follow Jesus long enough. At some point, we will find ourselves in that poise, in that point, and making that choice to stand up to stand with, to stand for those that others may not expect you to. Maybe even you did not expect to. And if you've been in that place, you know what that feels like down here. It's a feel, right? It's a gut feel to stand for those that the world may ask, why are you doing that? It reminded me of an old Native American story about a chief and a student. The chief is telling the story. He says it's like two dogs fighting inside of you. One of them wants to do what is good and the other wants to do what is bad. And Sometimes the good dog seems to be stronger in winning the fight and other times the, the bad dog seems to be stronger in winning the fight. And so the student asks an obvious question. Well, who wins in the end? And the chief said, well, the one you feed. Now most of us can readily recite the great commandments and loving God and neighbor of self. And we know that we are to forgive those who have sinned and we're fully aware that Jesus said to love our enemy. But by enemy, Jesus doesn't always mean only those who, well, bug you a little bit, (laughs) get under the skin a little bit. We probably should be careful who we call enemy these days. Jesus meant those who by the standards of the world and the judgments of the world do not deserve it. Jesus meant those like who shared a cross with him. Who said, I'm guilty. And Jesus says, well, you're coming to paradise with me today. So in our text today, Jesus has moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. He's with the disciples, and this is their first encounter after being called and He begins his ministry offering this very love, this kind of compassion to someone that others did not expect him to do so. And you can tell by this man's personality, he was probably hard to love, right? Disrupting what should have been a holy, quiet moment. He came in and disrupted things. So you get an idea of what he must have been like in that community. And the scriptures tell us he's a man with an unclean spirit. and that sounds strange to my ears. We don't say that very often. But by religious codes and norms and rules, he was unclean. And everyone knew that he was in restricted space. And they must have also wondered, why is he here? And then when Jesus approaches him, why is he stepping near him? So perhaps it helps to remember that in Mark's day it was written in a different time. These are folks who didn't have a wealth of medical knowledge or academics to follow or psychological education to be had and understood. The predominant worldview was at the time that suffering and malady and, well, those are judgments, divine judgments. They were suffering because of theirs or someone else's sins. In fact, there were those who walked around with bells who had to pronounce they were unclean so that others would make way, not get too close. But it's not so foreign to us, that sentiment that our sufferings are somehow divine results of God acting to correct us, even though Jesus made it clear that that's not the case more than once. Now of all the miracles of Jesus, I find that healings are probably the most common ones, but also the most perplexing ones. Who of us has not prayed and hoped to heal those in our lives with sicknesses and illnesses and circumstances that they did not overcome? How many times have we seen those overcome who should not have? Sometimes I wonder, are my prayers working? Maybe you can relate. But I wanna propose that our story today is not about the efficacy of our prayers our ability to heal. I do believe that at the heart of this story is a message about hospitality and welcome, a radical welcome, if you will. You see, when Jesus chooses to welcome this man, he is going against the norms and the codes and the rules that were there and that had worked to keep this man away for who knows how long. And to those who might ask in that room, why is he here? For those who saw Jesus approach him and and wonder why is he drawing near to him, Jesus has an answer. I'm here to stand with those the world has said are unclean. And he consistently did this. And I appreciate the words of Gary Charles who wrote that Mark is putting us all on notice for what we're about to read. Through the rest of the Gospels, you're going to discover, friends, that Jesus is the boundary-breaking, demon-dashing, law-transcending Son of God. Entering into the world, but wanting more than us to be amazed, but to do likewise, to be likewise. This is the very first encounter the disciples have had after choosing to follow Christ. And he makes it clear that, folks, we're not here any longer to keep anyone away. Instead, we're going to seek to heal people, to bring them back into the community again. And as a result, lives are made better. People are in awe, and this man represents those who will build that community, rebuild it. And the evidence of this is that after he cleans this man, we hear that the whole area... The whole area began to learn something new. Now, this is unique because many times Jesus is rejected for doing things like this, right? Nazareth wanted to chuck him off a cliff. But here, Capernaum seemed to be different. Where in other places, those who needed healing dared not seek healing because they feared they would just be further ostracized. Here, it seems Capernaum got it, they were excited. They were on board. They were willing to to step into this. And maybe this is why he came to Capernaum in the first place. But I also would ask us to consider that maybe that this is what it means to be the church too. Maybe Jesus knew the church would be that extension of himself in the world. The body of Christ. The church in Capernaum. Maybe the same thing today. Now in truth... We are all the unclean man at times. We live in a culture and we live in religious or otherwise norms that can say to us, well, get yourself straightened out, clean yourself up, and then join us. But the obvious problem is that that makes the church a restricted place, right? And it undermines our understanding of grace altogether. Our faith tells us that not one of us has ever earned an ounce of God's favor, our love, our mercy. It was already a gift. And we understand this. We've been around the church perhaps long enough to remember that. And if we are to expect people to pull themselves up, to pull their boots up by the bootstraps, then we must see that those bootstraps, where well, they're made of things like love, community, welcome, support, A living wage. But above all, of being valued in the first place. Unconditional. No one of us has it within ourselves to buck up enough to be granted welcome in this place. God's welcome precedes such things. We need grace. We need community. We need those around us who remind us that Jesus is not in the business of only helping those who help themselves. Christ simply helps. And we will all be confronted by the choice to love others as Christ loves this man today. And to remember that love preempts all things. And that every person we encounter is loved by God. And knowing that we choose to love as well. Even or especially when it's hard. Yes, we are all unclean. And sometimes that fear, the doubts, the angers, or the hatreds linger so long we can not be aware of that any longer. And we accept it as just the way things are. Well, maybe that is the way things can be and the way things are, but it's not what God desires. And the good news for us is that in Christ... We have someone who is ready to receive us. No conditions. When we're ready to step in to his life. And to be made clean. And there's one other truth that I want to leave us today. And that's even if we are sometimes the unclean man in this story. Even if we all are recipients of that grace. At the end of the day we are also the church and as the church, always call to be and become like Christ. One of the family movies that we like so well at home is called Leap. It's about a, a young girl who is a dancer. She loves to dance, but, and she wants to be in one of the top dance classes in Paris. problem is, she doesn't have the status or the means or the connections to do so, but she's resilient, and she finds her way into class. It's, it's rather funny as it begins. But eventually, she becomes a fine dancer, one of the best dancers. And in fact, it comes time for recital, and there's the top seat, the top spot to be given away. And there, it comes down to two students, and she's one of them, which happens to be her enemy, as the story goes. The teacher can't decide who's going to get the, uh, the special place in the, in the recital, so she decides she's going to ask them a question. And based on that question, she's going to make her choice. And the question is, why do you dance? Well, the first girl, the enemy of the main character, well, she's a little perplexed. You can tell she really wants to come up with the right answer. What's my teacher looking for? But eventually she resolves just to be honest. And there's this freedom with her, and she says... Well, I only dance because my mother wants me to. But it's a powerful moment because you get the sense that something wonderful has just happened. A new way, a freer way, a a gracious way is ahead of her now. And then the teacher asked the other character, and she says, Well, quickly, I dance because it's the only thing I know to do. So you see two opponents free now. So why do I share that story? Because my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for the church is that when we're asked to follow Christ and why we do so, that we will answer with freedom too. To the core of my soul, my hope for you and for me is that we will always work to be a place where people like this man in our story feel like they can walk through those doors on any given time and expect to be met with the same Christ that's in our story today through you and through me. And I pray that we will always be ready to answer those who want to know why we are here. Why are you here? Why do you love those Jesus has called you to love? Why do you love the ones hard to love? Why do you stand with them? And we will simply say, because it's the only thing we know to do.